Welcome to the Engaging Personalities Podcast. I'm Anders Belanger, founder and CEO of Engageify, where we're on a mission to rehumanize business through engagement. We believe that we can all be more successful if we can command attention and deepen connection. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on a future episode. So let's get ready to engage. For 20 years of success, Barb has been a multi-million dollar producer in her own right and recently named Woman of the Year by the National Association of Professional Women. Her extensive experience has given her key insights into the challenges that face her audiences, from sales reps right up to CEOs. Barb has a degree from Boston University and has been a guest lecturer at Syracuse University's School of Sales and Marketing. She is certified in over a dozen assessment methodologies and sits on the board of the National Speakers Association. Barbara's speaking career spans over three decades and she speaks on topics related to talent management, mindset, and transformative sales. These days, her specialty is helping executives understand and remove the roadblocks that affect their top line revenue and bottom line profits. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Barb Spector. Barb, welcome. Well, thanks so much. I'm really glad to be here. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Good. I'm excited. So Barb, I always like to start at the start and kind of just ask people how they got started in this line of business, because usually there's a story in there. And, and so from your intro, you know, you were a salesperson, it sounds like, but how did you fall into sales and then, and then training um, C-suite and, and, and frontline salespeople? Yeah, it's been a long road. (laughs) Um, And one of the things that I noticed how I've been in sales all my life. I mean, literally all my life. I haven't even had, I've never even had a salary. I've always been straight commission when I I was a salesperson. So that leads to something really important that uh, I think is in, uh, needs to be discussed at some point. And that is people have to have courage. They've got to have bravery to be in sales for one thing, because, um, you know, it's all up to you. You're the individual mm-hmm. contributor. You're the money maker. You're the rainmaker for your for a company or just for yourself. So, um, I've been selling my services for all these years. I have, if you were to give give me a title, it would be a, I'm a management consultant, right? So I've been selling my management consulting services. Then, along about the mid '80s, uh, I had an opportunity to become a sales trainer. Um, It was a perfect leap, actually, a perfect segue from what I was doing before. Um, And that really launched me into understanding what makes for great salespeople, what are the obstacles that they face, uh, what's going on in companies that are holding them back. And I think what's overarching for all of this is that probably for my entire life, I've been helping people with their mindset. Even as a teenager, I would have friends who would come over and they'd have troubles and we'd talk about things and it all boiled down to how are they thinking about things? You know, what was what were the hidden beliefs that they had? What were the negative things that they were holding on to that had no validity whatsoever? And so that has carried over into my sales career and been, been very, very important because sales, guess what? It's all about mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, you have to have skills, but if you don't have your head screwed on right, it affects the great skills that you learn because that's just knowledge. So the, if we can be thinking the right way, then we can be executing the right way. 
Yeah, totally 100% agree with that. It's, it always has to start with mindset. And you said something right at the beginning of that, talking about that, I, I don't know if it's a mindset, but that sense of responsibility for yourself and, and the courage that you talked about, um, never having a salary. It's, it's, I, I had this conversation with someone just recently because um, this was years ago, but I, I was talking to my doctor one time and she knew that I was a professional magician. And, and she's like, so how far out booked are you? And, and it was probably September at the time. And I said, oh, you know, end of December, you know, and, and I knew that more gigs would come along because they always have, and I'd done it for so long, but she's like, I couldn't live like that. Right. And it's, and it's the same with salespeople is that there is no steady paycheck unless you have some sort of deal like that, but you eat what you kill. <laughs> but that means you have to have a lot of confidence in what you do. Right. And, and, and if you do, that's attractive, isn't it? Like that kind of that <clears throat> mindset in terms of making things happen in, uh, out there. Yeah. And it's like starting with a, you know, the terminology these days is a growth mindset. Um, there was a wonderful book written all about that by Carolyn Weck. I think her name was. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you don't begin from that point of view and see what you're doing, first of all, as an opportunity that's going to help other people and at the same time help you grow as a person, um, it's very difficult to, to persevere. So it's, it's all about a, a growth mindset. You could say an open mindset, a risk-taking mindset, um, a fearless mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. So I see that when you're like boots on the ground salesperson, you know, if you don't have the right mindset going in, talking to a company, getting on the phone, whatever type of, you know, engagement it is, virtual engagement, you know, on the phone, in person. Uh, but I know you help, you know, sales leaders. And I'm just curious, like, to me, that's a different level way of thinking. And, and so you work on their mindset too, Absolutely. I'm going to guess. Can you speak to that? Because, I mean, it's not, it's a different mindset than the salespeople, I would think. But in, in part it is, and in part it yeah. isn't. Um, so the, the key functions of a sales leader, especially if they are in the trenches managing the salespeople, has to do with how effective they can be at holding people accountable for results. Mm. How much time are they spending coaching them? Um, how much time are they spending motivating them and knowing how people are motivated? So those are the tactical things they need to do. But what oftentimes gets in the way for a leader is they're, again, they're thinking, and here's some of the things that they could have as obstacles. Too many sales managers would rather be their the friend mm. <laughs> salesperson. In other words, they want to be liked. Well, guess what? That isn't their job. Their job is to be respected. Right? Yeah. And if they have a need to be liked, they will not hold a salesperson's feet gently, respectfully, but firmly to the fire to produce results because that need to be liked and loved uh, supersedes yeah. everything. Okay. Um, they oftentimes have a whole bunch of beliefs around what salespeople should do and shouldn't do. So you've heard, I'm sure all, all many, many times how a company is going crazy because they're selling the sales team selling on price. Well, guess what? That's come usually coming from the sales manager. It might even be coming from the C-suite. 
because they're not understanding that the thing to, that needs to be done is to sell value. And if you're selling value, the issue of price doesn't even come up. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the hidden beliefs. There's hidden beliefs for for leaders after having done this work so up for so many, where they they actually don't think it's important for them to understand the behavior of their salespeople. They don't mm. think it's important to know what motivates them. Um, uh, it's it just goes on and on and on. So uh, we can, we can, we have a laundry list of sixty six hidden beliefs that managers ha that managers have and that salespeople have. And most of the time, the failings of salespeople, assuming they came into a job with good experience, great sales accomplishments that are provable, if their results start to dwindle down, it's usually because of the sales manager. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've often heard that. And, it's, and if they have high turnover, it's usually because the, they've left because of the sales manager or the lack of coaching that that manager did or the lack of engagement that the that leader was able to do or keep them to keep them engaged um, so so much depends on the ability of a manager to sell to help his people their people and and sell through those people uh, not function that like an individual contributor so I think what by the way I'm taking a slight little jump to the left here um I think it's a disaster when companies promote a, a top performing salesperson into a manager. Mm. <laughs> um, because speaking of mindset, an individual contributor mindset, meaning a salesperson, doesn't think the way a manager does, which is being able to produce results through people. Um, yeah. And it's, it, becomes, it becomes very difficult for those people to make that shift. It, it reminds me of, of, you know, a star player on a team doesn't necessarily mean they're a good coach, exactly. right? Like it's, it's like they're different, different mindsets. Now you going back there, you were kind of talking about, you know, the need to be liked. And I, I we had another guest on, on the podcast a while back and we were talking about everyone has these core needs, right? And he was kind of like, I, I think I know yours. And we didn't really, I didn't out myself at the time, but I would definitely say, you know, the need to be liked is my thing. So I'll confess, confess to that one. Um, I think a lot of performers are like that, you know, that they're, that's very common. Um, and I know for myself, I fall into that buddy, buddy thing you know, when I manage staff or manage a salesperson, and that's where I've actually had, had, had you know, had a, a sales manager specifically for that reason to give me that, you know, insulation. Um, now I'm guessing because you are versed in so many different assessment methodologies that um, that plays a role into finding the right sales managers, the right salespeople. And do you, you know, over the years, what's, what's your favorite? Is there one that you've kind of you, you tend to use all the time or, or what, what has been your journey in terms of assessing people for their right, right seats? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can actually name names if you want me to, but let me talk sure. generically first. Yeah. So, so there's a gazillion quote unquote sales assessments out there to help mm. identify the right person to hire. Most of them are just personality tests and they just cloak the trait in the personality chest into some kind of sales language. Let me give you an example. Um, a lot of tests measure how extroverted a person is. Well, guess what? Just because somebody's extroverted doesn't mean they're going to be a great salesperson. In fact, introverts are oftentimes much better salespeople because they know how to listen. 
Mm. Right. So we don't like we don't like to use personality tests for hiring salespeople. Great for every other job. Okay. But there's no other position under the sun where the with that where a sales where a person has competition, they get rejected, <laughs> they have really no control over the outcome in the final analysis. So we need to find use tools that actually measure sales competencies that'll determine if the person will sell. If I know the degree to which somebody has the sell, uh, ability to hunt, build relationships, uh, meet with the right decision maker, qualify people, um, sell value, sell consultatively, and the laundry list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a really sharp idea of whether that person is somebody that will sell for my company or not. Mm -hmm. And we want to measure mindsets too. Right. Yes. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to, there's a lot to measure there, isn't there? And, is. and so have you, cause you've, you know, again, familiar with all of them and then you've kind of, sounds like you've, you've found your own way. Do you have your own assessment now, uh, Barb, or what's, what's kind of, route did you end up settling on or what kind of sure i can answer that and uh, again i'm not okay. i'm not here to sell anything so i just no 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 that's fine i just but i have found that objective management group better known as omg it's a wonderful acronym um does uses and i use their sales tool because it is so sales okay. specific um and it really helps you to determine if somebody will sell because i don't care if they can sell I only care about whether they uh, will sell, all right? Isn't that a critical, you know, delineation? <laughs> the difference between, you know, do they do they got it and do they want it, right? Yep. Or that 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 piece that uh, that comes together. Yeah. Okay. Um here on the podcast, we're you, know, and you alluded to it earlier. We're about engagement. How how are some ways that we can that that sellers can engage the buyers to maybe you know move things through the pipeline faster, more efficiently, that sort of thing? Do you have any tips for for any of the salespeople listening here? Yeah, it's really interesting you're asking that question because um, I'm putting together a a new webinar, um, and I also do sales coaching as part of sales training. And one of the missing pieces for salespeople is that they don't really engage in conversation. They're still selling in the back of their head instead of literally, I mean, it is literally as possible to have a conversation mm -hmm. with their customer, have a as if they were sitting down in their living room and engage in such a way that it drops the shoulders of that prospect or that customer. So they're not on the defense. Not being resistant, right? It, yeah. Exactly. That they somehow bring forth the emotional reason for that person to that for to buy, right? But it but it's all about conversation and connection in a mm. way that salespeople are they're just not used to it. A lot of them are just not used to it. They've been handed a sales playbook that says, ask this question, ask this question, ask this question. And they may be good questions, right? But oftentimes what I'm seeing is that instead of the salesperson being client-focused or customer-focused, they're still sales-focused. And I say to a lot of my clients and to the salespeople in particular, stop seeing yourself as a salesperson. Start seeing yourself as a trusted advisor or a consultant. 
so that you're mm-hmm. going there to problem solve rather yeah. than to sell something. Right. Yeah. It'll get sold anyway if you do a good job of consulting with them. But you don't want to start with the idea of I'm going to I have to sell them something. So people become your your prospects, your customers become way more engaged with you if you're human, human with them. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's an authenticity thing, I think. Right. When you are when you are, uh, like you said, given a playbook and you're so process focused to be like, now I'm supposed to ask this, now I'm supposed to ask this, as opposed to just being real with someone. And then, like you said, the shoulders drop and everything, you know, uh, the conversation being that being, uh, I don't know if maybe a friend is the right thing, but in, in, when that consult- consultative approach, you want to just help them. You just want to yeah. help them. Right. Um, it, I think it, I think it comes through. Um, now, have you noticed anything and I don't want to pick on any generations or anything like that, but are there any, you know, you've been, been doing this for a while. Have you noticed any differences in terms of um, newer salespeople coming into the field that have certain um, issues or challenges that you're needing to address? Not really. Um, you know, we hear about uh, millennials being impatient to grow and, you know, move up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you provide great authentic training and coaching to them, which is something they adore, right? Mm-hmm. They do it like water. So it's really beholden on the managers and companies to be able to flex their style to different generations. And at the same time, if they're working with millennials, you know, to always have it at the front of their mind, how can I help this person make a difference? Because that's mm-hmm. like almost number one for millennials. Um, how do they, how can they make a difference in the company? Which is also why they jump from one company to another. Because if they can't do it in one company, they go to another. Which is again about guess what engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, when 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 we had the pandemic just recently, you know, all of these things have happened. Did you see a, a struggle for salespeople to shift to this kind of virtual or hybrid style of, of selling? And and if so, what were some of the things you did to to address those challenges? That's a great question. So for people to be on camera was so scary for so many people. Yeah. Now, you and I are speakers. And so I, I'm going to speak for you. And if this isn't sure, true, just tell me. But we're comfortable with that. Um. But I I kept asking myself, what is it about being on camera that freaks them out so much? And I think it's the fact that they're constantly looking at themselves, right? Um, And do I look okay? Is my hair all right? You know, am I smiling enough? And they become too self-conscious. So what we did with folks right after the, or actually during the pandemic, when we needed to use virtual vehicles like Zoom, um, is we let them, we had them practice enough, right? gave them feedback on how they showed yeah. up, um, had them, and ultimately helped help them to get comfortable with this technology and this way of interacting with people. Because it can be as warm and friendly and human as being face-to-face, except you're not seeing anybody from the waist down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the height. When you meet them in person, you're like, whoa, you're way taller or way shorter. <laughs> You know, but I, I've, we found the same thing because we were doing, we were training sales teams on virtual engagement during the pandemic. And I find that one of the biggest 
things that was so disconcerting about it was the lack of feedback that you are getting from the you can see them but it's you're not breathing the same air you're not you know you can't see maybe them shifting doing different things that would give you that sense of how you're doing and i think salespeople they crave that feedback right like they want to know they're in the the sweet spot of where they need to be Mm -hmm. um and, and the other side of it is we're talking through a microphone that may or may not be you know carrying the sound like we thought it was right like when when we're standing in front of someone we know we're talking we know they can hear us right so there's all that that lack of feedback which is which is so tricky um so i'm kind of glad we're we're kind of at least in person is back but in terms of you know that that split are you still seeing a lot of virtual selling out there or is it yeah yeah absolutely um because it's one it's saving companies hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah and travel, yeah. and travel, you know, mm-hmm. and all of that sort of thing. Um, I wanted to go back to what you, we were just talking sure. about for a second. Um, I think what what I, I loved your your ideas around how to get people to be effective. What gets in their way of being effective on a virtual platform? And so, just like in person, to the extent that a that a someone in a sales position can seek for understanding of their audience. It, it, just like they would do if they were face to face so that it's not just they're not just a talking head anymore they're actually really interacting back and forth mm-hmm. it goes right back to the thing about connection being curious um being connected i mean i don't know how else to say it yeah no they in connection is so critical and and one of the things we talk about at our company is we want to help people command attention and deepen connection right and when if we do have that, then we're going to be able to communicate. We're going to be able to sell. We're going to be able to do what we need to do. So um, that's so cool. Now, Barb, we're we're starting to run out of time. I just wanted to. You had mentioned that you have something for our listeners. Do you want to talk about what that might be? Sure. Um, I'm assu- assuming that we have an audience filled with either sales leaders, sales, maybe even salespeople, sales managers. Sure. I have. A, I created a document um, that. It's called Manage Your Mindset, Um, and it's the nine most prevalent mindsets, both positive and negative, that show up in sales forces, and I would love to offer it to your audience, Uh, and the way to get to it, I I created a really simple domain name. It's called theguide.vip. Okay, theguide.vip. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. And and now that you kind of tease that, can we talk about maybe one or two of those? Because that's just kind of without. I don't want to give away what's what's in the the guide. But um, what is what is one of the most empowering mindsets that someone might find in that? Okay, I'm going to speak to to one that affects probably all salespeople because it's so hidden. Um, have you ever had or had the experience yourself? If you're talking with somebody that, and you're in that moment of closing and they say to you, gosh, Andre, Anders, we love what you got, but we got to think it over. Mm. (laughs) Or, you know, Anders, your price is a little high, so we're going to do some price shopping first. Or we love what you got, but, you know, we have to talk to two other vendors to make sure we choose the right ones. So they're comparison shopping. 
the reason that that happens or that a salesperson accepts those stalls is because that's how they they buy themselves. So, so here, let me explain what I mean. So let's imagine that you want to buy a um, new flat screen TV, a big one, 65 inch for your living room. And you know exactly how much you want to spend and you know the brand you want to buy and all the features you want. You start off going to Best Buy if you have one in your area. You walk in, you see exactly what you want, exactly the right price. But you're a think it over buyer. So you leave, come back maybe the next day, the next week, and you buy it. So I'm using that as an example because when salespeople are in, the, in a closing situation and they get handed those stalls and they accept those stalls, it's because they didn't re recognize that that's how they buy themselves. Oh. So they're thinking like, they're thinking to themselves, well, that makes perfect sense to me. That's what I would do. <laughs> it's kind of like, you're going to find what you put out in the world, right? Yeah. This kind of, uh, <laughs> that's interesting, right? You, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, we're, we're, and so by working on ourselves in that mindset, um, we can be, set things up to, to not find that hopefully. Right. And to, uh, get some closure. So easy. Once you know, you have that as an issue, it literally can disappear overnight. Right. Yeah. It's awareness. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally a, a matter of awareness. Man, so much of this mindset stuff, and, and I'm sure you see this all the time is it feels almost a little magical at times, doesn't it? Like it's kind of like, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to get into magical thinking or anything, but, it is. It seems to work out that a, a lot of the time that when you shift something, everything can change. Mm -hmm. uh, is is that what you find uh, coaching people? Absolutely. It's it, and I think what you're really speaking to, and what I try to do, and I would say do do, <laughs> is you don't want people just to change. You want them to transform, so mm -hmm. that they move away from something and never go back to it again. So they they literally have a shift in mindset and the old the old way is they can't even find it any longer because they've had a transformation in their thinking which is really powerful wow i i think i want to end it there because that is such a great message to end on and again people can can learn about shifting these mindsets by going to theguide.vip correct yes, yes? Hey, uh, thank you so much, Barb, for coming on the podcast and sharing your, your wisdom and your expertise with us. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. I'm so glad to be here, Anders. Thank you. Thanks. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us once again. And remember, until next time, stay engaged. Thank you so much for listening to Engaging Personalities. If you believe this world needs more engagement and you're an industry leader or you have an interesting take on rehumanizing business, go to go.engageify.ai slash podcast hyphen guest to apply and come on the show. If you got something out of this interview, do you mind sharing it on your social media? Just grab a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag engaging personalities. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. 
We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, engageify.ai, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and stay engaged. Thank you.